You're listening to Renegade Talk Radio. It's Monday, October 9th, 2023. This is the Alex Jones Show. I am on a very, very important information mission, and I will be filing reports from the road over the next three days. I will be back Thursday. We're going to have Harrison Smith and Chase Geyser both co-hosting today. I'll also taped an interview with a very informative journalist and researcher on Saturday that we'll be hearing in part of the third and the full fourth hour today. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the big takeaway, if you happen to tune into the Sunday night show, you heard it all. The big takeaway is this. No way Israel didn't know that attack was coming. So it is like 9-11. They knew full well it was coming. It was a clear stand down, and that is now hitting the news. Also, what I told you on Saturday, he's now admitted that Hezbollah took much of the $6 billion that Biden gave them last month and gave that to the tens of thousands of uh, suicide operators that were sent in to southern Israel out of the Gaza Strip. Uh, many of them, of course, were North Africans and others and were clearly uh, paid jihadists. They get up to $100,000, in some cases more, for uh, going out and fighting. And especially if they die, their family is sent uh, even more money. If you divide out, say, $600,000 between 10,000 of these suicide trips, that comes up to the $6 billion. But uh, large portions of the $6 billion were obviously spent uh, for the suicide uh, payments, but the rest was spent on weapons. Then you have the tens of billions of dollars of weapons coming out of Afghanistan that's now confirmed to be there. U.S. hardware as well as a lot of hardware sent to Ukraine that's there. So this has been brought to you by the globalist deep state uh, that will now use this as crackdowns on freedoms in Israel, crackdowns here, crackdowns in Europe. It's also a good smokescreen for what has unfolded with the Russians clearly decisively now winning the war in Ukraine uh, against NATO. So if you pull back from this, what's the other big issue? It's the tens of thousands of other than Mexican or other than Latin American pouring across even just the Texas sector every month. Sometimes it's thousands a week. They're almost all military-age men, and many of them are Hezbollah and Hamas. But again, Hezbollah out of Iran is the main group that did the training, the preparation, and made the payments. As I told you on Saturday, people were like, oh, Jones doesn't even know the difference between Hezbollah and Hamas. No, I've actually done the research know what I'm talking about. And so there are tens of thousands, conservatively, of Hezbollah sleeper cells inside the United States right now. And if you think what you saw in Israel was a big deal, imagine what is going to happen inside the United States even when we go to war with Iran. So we've been pre-positioned for this, and the globalists will love it. It'll make 9-11 look tame in comparison with the 3,000 dead when and if they strike the United States. But many members of Congress are now pointing this out. There's big articles up on Infowars.com. So it's uh, something we have to get ahead of here and let the CIA and Mossad and MI6 and NATO intelligence and all the rest of them know that even when there's massive attacks in the West, you with the UN set up these centers, brought in these people, you know exactly what you're doing, and many of them admit that they're jihadists. And so I would expect the probability in the next year, maybe even sooner, of a massive uh, 9-11 style attack, but all over the country. They're going to hijack planes. They're going to use the same thing you saw with hand gliders. Uh, A lot of them know how to fly an aircraft. They're going to steal aircraft all over the United States, fly them into buildings, fly them into government buildings, uh, attack sports stadiums full of people, attack colleges, uh, 
you name it, big gatherings. And then the government will get more funding and those that do the stand down and brought the illegal aliens in and the jihadis in will actually get more money and more funding and more power because logic has been murdered. Just like Netanyahu clearly in a stand down is not going to get more power and more control. He's about to be ousted from power. So war is the of the state. That's what's going on. And that's the reality. I would direct everybody to band on video and the first hour of my show last night where I lay this all out uh, in basically complete uh, detail. Also, a lot of the Israelis that have moved into Israel uh, are not conservative and don't like guns. So many of those uh, right up on the border with the Gaza Strip and two and a half million people that want to kill them were unarmed and don't like weapons. Also, you saw the hang gliders come in and attack the big party rave that was going on at a quote peace rally, reportedly killed 200 there. So they're seeing a couple hundred are dead across Israel, thousands injured. It's actually much, much higher. And I would expect thousands and thousands dead, uh, perhaps tens of thousands wounded. But that will be unfolding in the days to come. This is a big deal, a part of the global escalation so the uh, big banks can bring in their new global central system and new currency. Again, we have several big guest hosts coming up. Infowars.com, tomorrow's news today. I'm Alex Jones. Please stay with us and please spread the word. That's how we bypass big tech and the censors. Stay with us. Once you start waking up from the hypnotic trance of the official lie, the word they is often used to lay blame on the perpetrators. This is usually followed by the question, who are they? According to ancient history, religion, mythology, and occult tradition, they are not human, and they have been manipulating humanity from the shadows for millennia. The Gods of Eden by William Bramley does an excellent job of tracing this back through all of recorded history. But let's just start from the late 19th century. Just over a century ago, it was known that giants with red hair and double rows of teeth once inhabited America. These nine-foot-tall giants were written about casually in 1874 by Abraham Lincoln. A few years later, the Smithsonian Institute began confiscating giant mummies and skeletons by the thousands. In 1886, the exclusive Jekyll Island Club was founded and built upon an ancient burial site of the Timucua tribe, who were said to be giants. In 1910, the Federal Reserve Banking Conspiracy was hatched on Jekyll Island between the Rothschild banking dynasty and the Rockefeller family, whose cabin there was known as Mound Cottage and said to have been built upon a sacrificial altar. These powerful families worked together to hide the truth of our mysterious past, and they built a modern society with poison to keep us dumb and lies to keep us confused. The Rothschild dynasty and the Federal Reserve banking system funded all sides of the First and Second World Wars, which paved the way for the creation of the United Nations in 1945. Funded by the Rockefellers, the UN was the beginning of today's de facto world government. The Nuremberg trials resulted with only 12 sentenced to death and 7 sent to prison. The majority were allowed to professionally continue their criminal activities. Nazis who were tried for medical experiments involving cruelty and murder were later brought into Big Pharma through Operation Paperclip. And an entire team of Nazi rocket scientists were brought in to start NASA. 
While the Nuremberg trials may have been mostly theater, they had their revelations. It was revealed that the Nazi eugenics program stemmed from organizations in America funded by the Rockefeller Foundation and its offshoots. And it was revealed that many high-ranking Nazis believed they were in contact with an alien race known as the Aryans, the same mythical race that allegedly created Hinduism as it is known today. While many Hindu scholars dismissed the claim, the Nazis believed it. It is why they adopted the popular Hindu swastika. They also studied the Vedas, and their most classified project, the Bell, had the same design as the Vamana spacecraft described in these ancient texts. In 1971, a young Klaus Schwab, son of a Nazi nuclear scientist, was placed as the head of what is now known as the World Economic Forum by his mentor, Henry Kissinger. In 1974, Rockefeller protege Henry Kissinger wrote National Security Memorandum 200 for the United Nations. This is popularly known as the Kissinger Report and is one of the foundational documents of the depopulation agenda unfolding today. With Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum acting as the tip of the spear. And so who are they? Several will say it's the Rothschild family, but they seem to work for the crown. Others argue that the Vatican holds more sway. Many people insist it's the Jesuits, and some swear it's the Jews. According to occult records, a character named Sanat Kumara rules over the world from inside the earth, along with a group known as the Great White Brotherhood, seven in total. Helena Blavatsky says these seven Kumaras are the same as the seven Dianis, the seven Archangels, and the seven Elohim, the seven representing the seven sisters, also known as the Pleiades Star Cluster. NASA, which was started by Nazis, Freemasons, and Satanists, has been obsessed with both Pleiades and Orion ever since the Apollo moon missions. According to hundreds of alien abductees, that is where most aliens claim to be from. Two different factions, one to help liberate humanity and the other to enslave us. It is the oldest story on Earth, good versus evil, the darkness and the light, the white hats and the black hats. It is a struggle within each one of us and is unfolding in the world around us for all to see. A more beneficial inquiry might be, who am I? But either way, do not be surprised if the fake alien invasion features real aliens. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. It's Tuesday, October 10th, Year of Our Lord, 2023. And you're listening to The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. I think it's time to blow this thing, get everybody in the stuff together. Okay. Back to The American Journal. I am Chase Geyser filling in for the great Harrison Smith this morning. So good to be with you. Harrison will be covering the War Room afternoon and i'll be here again tomorrow while harrison covers the war room again then and then i believe alex is going to be back in studio on thursday 
today and tomorrow, Owen will be doing the Alex Jones show. So much, so much going on. It's hard to look at any other news except for what's going on between Israel and Palestine right now. And it's such a delicate thing. Sometimes I think in order to report accurately, you just have to take the risk of saying some things that are going to offend somebody, especially in a controversial issue. I mean, that's the definition of a controversial issue that there's not really going to be any answer you can give or any perspective you can have that isn't going to trigger the other side. I had a great episode of the Alex Jones show yesterday with Harrison Smith where talked about this dynamic and what's coming. And President Trump is warning that we're on the brink of World War III. Let's go ahead and run clip one. Very serious. We are in very, very grave danger of having a World War III. And this will be a war. This will be a war of obliteration. This will not be a war with, I say, army tanks going back and forth, shooting at each other. This is the real deal. And we have a man that... uh, he can't even walk off a stage. He walks off a stage. He finishes a speech. He lo- looks. Oh, well, he can't find. He has no idea. You know, there's always a stair there, a stair here. You could even walk off the front, jump or something. Do so. He usually walks to the back into a wall. Yeah, there's a wall there. He walks right into a wall. Can't walk off a stage. Can't put two sentences together. And yet he's negotiating with President Xi of China. Who, when I say he's very smart, the press, look at that's a lot of press back there. That's a lot. So, for him to negotiate with President Xi of China is like my high school football team playing the, let's see, what's a good team nowadays? Philadelphia's good. You know, they change a little bit. I used to say New England, I used to say the Patriots. I'd, I'd love to be able to say the Patriots. He's a great guy, great coach, but uh, they have a little hard time. But uh, what's going on with the Patriots, huh? But he is—he's a great—he's a great coach, and he'll figure—he'll figure it out somehow. He's going to figure it out. But that was not a good game last night. We are on the brink of World War III, and we are being led by madmen. And again, I've said this before. The only thing I can't understand is whether or not this is happening out of incompetence or whether it's happening out of an an intelligent desire to weaken the United States in any way possible. Because you got to keep in mind that what's going on in Israel is about power in the Middle East. Israel was part of the Ottoman Empire during World War I. After that, it became part of the British Mandate Palestine, I believe is what it was called. It was under the British authority. And after World War II, of course, that's when the Jewish people were given Israel as their own state. But we'll get more into that in the next segment. Make sure you stick with us and make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. We've got some great deals, some great products, some great sales, and everything always sells out fast. So if you want something, get it now. Unleash your potential with the InfoWars Life Trifecta Pack. We have three original, one-of-a-kind toothpaste designed by my father, a dentist, at InfoWarsStore.com that don't have fillers, that are filled with high-quality essential oils and more. We have the turmeric toothpaste, we have the ultimate tooth whitening macrole calcium toothpaste, and we have the amazing activated charcoal toothpaste, again, with a whole bunch of key essential oils that are so good, not just for your teeth and your gums, but your whole mouth, your throat, and more. These are really game-changing toothpaste. 
They're very, very strong. Most over-the-counter toothpaste have fluoride. Ours don't. And it doesn't have fillers in it. It is just chock full of incredible things that God gave us through Mother Nature. So, it's now back in stock. It became a bestseller. The turmeric toothpaste is available again at InfoWorkStore.com. We're selling out of the tooth whitening toothpaste. We've got some of that left. And we also have some of the amazing activated charcoal toothpaste in stock, but it's running out as well. So all three toothpastes in stock for a limited time, InfoWorkStore.com. Omega-3 fatty acids are needed for optimal strength, and they can only be obtained through diet. They can be found in grass-fed beef, which is why the ruling class is trying to ban it. And they can be found in fish, which are arguably the best source of omega-3s. But the problem today is finding fish without a high mercury content. Your best option is our ultimate fish oil and ultimate krill oil at InfoWarsStore.com. Omega-3 fatty acids are essential for both our neurological and cardiovascular systems, our brain and our heart. They improve mood, mental clarity, and immune function. Get your essential omega-3 fatty acids from the best sources available, ultimate fish oil and ultimate krill oil. Get some today at InfoWarsStore.com. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Back to the American Journal. I am Chase Geyser, filling in for the great Harrison Smith. Musical chairs around here. So obviously Israel was attacked, and I don't know if you took the time to watch any of the footage or any of the imagery. And as someone who is skeptical of all governments, prior to this attack, I was... Not somebody who was necessarily a fan of the government of Israel. I have no problem with Jewish people. I have no problem with the notion that the Jewish people should have a nation. But skeptical of the government of Israel, Mossad, the way it could blackmail our leaders, some of the operations it's engaged in, whether or not it was involved with 9-11 and trying to get the United States over into the Middle East to secure its position. I was skeptical. I wasn't certain, but I was skeptical about Israel. And after seeing the footage and the imagery from the attack over this weekend, regardless of whether or not Israel is good, it is absolutely 100% certain that Palestine is evil and the Palestinians are evil. I don't know how anybody can apologize for the intentional slaughter of innocent civilians of all ages, of all disabilities. I don't understand how anyone can apologize for Palestine when they kidnap children and then threaten to murder civilians every day that airstrikes occur in their region. I can understand how Palestine could be antagonistic toward Israel and have issues with Israel. Obviously, there's a lot of tension there. There's always been a lot of tension there. But I can't understand how someone could go to that extent of being that evil where they parade around the naked 
dead bodies of raped women where they shove raped women into cars who have clearly been raped because there's blood all over their pants. They're evil. So regardless of whether or not you think Israel's a good guy or a bad guy, we know now, without a doubt, that Palestine is evil. And they say, oh, it's, just, it's because of the oppression. They're lashing out because of the oppression. And I understand that there's been tension and in the region. And both sides have done things that have been not so righteous. I've seen the footage of Israeli police officers mistreating Palestinians, mistreating people from the Gaza Strip. I've seen the footage of fathers in Palestine being humiliated in front of their children by cops that are just slapping them around. I've seen all of that stuff. So I'm not apologizing for the injustices of Israel and the Palestinians. But I haven't ever seen anyone in Israel go to the Gaza Strip, kidnap a Palestinian woman, parade her around Israel to crowds cheering, and then proceed to rape and murder that person. So we're talking about a difference between standard evil that we've seen from every single government throughout the history of mankind versus the next level of soullessness, in my opinion. And I don't advocate for the eradicating of the entire people of Palestine. I don't advocate for the destruction of their schools or the murder of their children or their women like some do on Twitter. I've seen the tweets of people saying we need to wipe out their schools. We need to just kill all of them, which I think is astounding given the fact that these people are so upset because of this kind of an injustice. So if you do the same thing back, then you become the evil that you hate so much. But I have no problem with Israel retaliating for this. I don't call for peace in the region. No. If that sort of thing happened to our country or the state of Texas or my family, no peace. It's very obvious to me that for the sake of Israel, as, as a sovereign nation, for its own sake, it should neutralize the Palestinians as much as possible. I know they're in an open-air prison and they can't go anywhere, but the thing is you can't reason with these people because they've hated Israel forever, for as long as it's existed. There's been tension. And the thing you got to keep in mind is that the other Muslim-majority countries in the area that are supporting Palestine don't even like the Palestinians. They refer to them natively as dogs. They're, They're like the white trash, if not worse, of sort of the Arab world, and they're just being used and funded and trained because countries like Iran don't care if the dogs of Palestine die on behalf of their interests. Iran does not like Israel because Israel is perceived as America, and relations have been building between Israel and Saudi Arabia, while Saudi Arabia is Iran's number one OPEC competitor for oil exports. So Iran, though claiming it's some sort of jihad or protecting the rights of the Palestinians or fight for Muslim rights of the Holy Land, they, they make that claim. But the reason they're funding the Palestinians is because they just want to weaken Israel's position in the region so that Saudi Arabia doesn't become an insurmountable competitor for exporting oil, in my opinion. And I did some research last night. And they've done studies over the years on the Palestinians. 
The average IQ in Palestine, this is a study of 1,677 boys and 1,818 girls between the ages of 8 and 18. The average obtained British IQ was 67.9 in the region. Now, I don't know how much you know about IQ, but it doesn't fluctuate that much, if at all, throughout your life. And if done correctly, this is pretty accurate. And the other thing to consider, too, is that the average age of a person in the Gaza Strip is 18 years old. So this study, even though it was 8 to 18 years, 8, 8 to 18 year olds, still incorporated the average age of the, of the population in the region. That's 67.9. To give you a sense of how stupid that is, the character of Forrest Gump was created to have an IQ of 75. So these people are one standard deviation more retarded than Forrest Gump. And then on top of that, and this isn't a race thing, by the way, guys. This is not to do with the fact that they're Arab. This is the fact to do with the fact that they've been practicing cousin marriage for hundreds of years. 36.9% of the current generation of married people in the Gaza Strip is married to either their first or second cousin. Many of those have stacked it so their parents are also cousins and then they're marrying their cousins. So what happens when you do that is you get a population with an IQ of 67.9 on average when the average IQ in the world is 100. You have to have an IQ of 83 to be smart enough to be even allowed in the military in the United States. And the mental illness that comes with having parents that are cousins for generation after generation after generation Anger problems, depression problems, bipolar problems, aggression problems. This is not a population that you can say, sorry, we messed up. Let's live together in harmony. We're going to tear down the walls. We're going to integrate you in our community because they're going to come in and they're just going to do this crap in the streets all the time. And nobody wants to say this stuff because they're called xenophobic or racist. But tell me, how is it that you can get along with a population whose religion has been designed, whose propaganda has been designed to hate everybody else? They've been bred to be really angry and really stupid, but we're the evil ones because we want to fight back after they kidnap, abduct, and rape our innocent people. I don't know. I'm with Israel on this one, guys. We'll be back. Bodies is back. The ultimate turmeric product on the market has returned to InfoWarsStore.com and is now 25% off for a limited time. Utilized for thousands of years, turmeric is one of the most studied medicinal herbs today. Hundreds of peer-reviewed scientific articles are published every year on the chemistry and therapeutic potential of turmeric and its active components. Bodies will reduce inflammation throughout the body, help boost and support flexibility, increase mobility, assist in joint function, bolster your immune system, and so much more. Regular turmeric from the store contains about 1-5% to of the active ingredient curcuminoids, but our super powerful extract using Bodies contains over 95% of the active ingredients in turmeric. No other product can compare with this curcuminoid delivery system, so if you want to put the true power of turmeric to the test, then look no further. Grab yourself a bottle today for 25% off at InfoWarsStore.com and put your body at ease. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal. I am Chase Geyser filling in for the great Harrison Smith. 
so much going on. An Israeli rabbi to Christians said, you shouldn't be worshipping one Jew, you should be worshipping all of us. Israeli rabbi Chaim Rickman, the former director of the Temple Institute, told Christians on his podcast addressing Israel's war with Gaza on Monday that they shouldn't be worshipping one Jew, Jesus Christ, but instead should be worshipping all of us Jews because we're dying for your sins right now. It's that kind of statement that makes people anti-Semitic. And I just spent the last segment tearing into Palestine in maybe even too harsh of a manner. But using facts, I made the case that the population, due to cousin marriage, has a lot of mental health issues and a lot of issues with IQ. Something you'll probably not hear on any other mainstream network because it was incredibly politically incorrect and absolutely 100% factually correct. Nobody wants to say anything about cousin marriage in the whole entire region because they don't want to be labeled as a xenophobe or an Islamophobe. But I'm telling you, if you have populations that marry their cousins for hundreds of years, you're going to have mental health issues and there's going to be aggression and war and violence and manic depression and suicide, suicide bombing. Can we take a second to also talk about, um, you know, some news um, in terms of retaliations? Because you brought up retaliations in the last segment, you know. Um, Netanyahu uh, just gave a warning uh, last night saying that uh, if you're in the Gaza Strip, flee or die, right? Um, One of the the big issues uh, in the conflict, you know, in terms of optics is that Hamas will uh, do these guerrilla or terrorist tactics where they'll make an attack on Israel and then they hide behind civilians. And then when Israel goes to retaliate and there's collateral damage or, you know, civilians are killed, that makes more Hamas terrorists. Right. Right. And so you get this, you know, almost perpetual cycle. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult, right? Because if you think about it, right, the low IQ... Um, does factor into this, yeah. right? Because if Hamas was smart, they would understand that when they make an attack, you know, on Israel, that they're putting their own loved ones, you know, at risk. And, you know, they're, they're just really not thinking it through. They're not well, thinking I think it they're through. Being, I think a lot of the, uh, the assailants are being paid. I, and I think Alex covered this a little bit yesterday. I was listening to the, the broadcast. They pay, they pay some of these people thousands of dollars to go to the front. If you're a suicide bomber, I think they even pay like half a million dollars and it goes to your family. So a lot of the people that you see actually flying in aren't just like going home and having breakfast with their family, I don't think. I right, think they're right. single or they, dudes. They, they may not even have family members left. Right, right, right. And, uh, and then they're, they're funded by Iran. And so there's innocent people in the Strip that just get, that just get nailed. And I, I think the only solution is to allow the people to leave the region and go anywhere else. But the problem is that the other Arab nations in the region don't want the Palestinians because, like I said in the last segment, they call them dogs. They like, don't. And, you know, it, it, this, I guess, stems back to, uh, I guess, whenever Israel was made a nation state, right? And they, they took some of the land of the Palestinians, and that's, you know, kind of the original conflict. It, it, it takes us all the way back to the fact that there are Palestinians who feel like their homes that were there for thousands of years were taken from them. Yeah, well, I'm sure the Native Americans felt the same way here. But here we sit in Austin, Texas, by sure. right of conquest, it's ours. And so whether you think it's right or wrong how Israel, Israel acquired the land, like in my opinion, 
I'm sort of of the persuasion, if you can conquer it, then you can keep it. What do you think? Well, you know, the Indians didn't have rocket launchers, right? Um, Which is what makes the conflict, you know, super gnarly. Yeah. um, Unpalatable. Um, But you're not wrong, right? Ownership is three-fifths of the law. Well, and there was a lot of similar things happening between the United States and the Native Americans. If you look at the writings, they were criticized for doing things like killing indiscriminately regardless of age and gender and whether it was a child or an old person or disabled. There are writings that you look back where that's sort of how they were characterized as savages by the colonizers or the states. Sure. At the time, and I don't know how much of that's true or how much of it's exaggerated. It I'm sure both that it, ways, right? I'm sure it got pretty, yeah, I'm sure it got pretty ugly going both ways, just like it is in Israel and Palestine now. But the the crazy thing about it is, in order to solve this problem historically, you have to do one of two incredibly evil things: you either have to eradicate a people off the face of the earth, or you have to remove them from an area. So, in the United States, we chose rather than a Holocaust or a genocide to do the Trail of Tears. And it was evil, and it was sad, and it was terrible, and we moved them, we put them in reservations, but they're still alive, and that's how it worked. And I think that they're going to have to do, they're going to have to figure out the same thing in Israel because th- this sort of stuff is going to be happening for another fifty or hundred years unless those people are removed from the area or eradicated. And I'm not advocating for eradicating innocent people, but there is no way to stop violence between these two groups unless they are separated either by death or geography. In my opinion, I would agree. So, I would agree, and you know, I. I Maybe maybe resettlement is not, you know, uh, an impossible feat with all the immigration that takes place today. Can't the United Nations help to facilitate the resettlement of Palestinians? They should put them on Epstein, Epstein's Island. Was it 25 miles in length? <laughs> but where would you take them, though? Because nobody wants them. That's my point, right? It's not like we have some landmass like Australia that we have it. You know, that we have yet to discover where we could set up real infrastructure that's humane and, and encourage people to go. Like, and then, well, <laughs> I think we, we might have just solved world peace. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. And, and, and like I said, I do feel bad for the innocents in the Gaza Strip. They are in an open-air prison, and they're surrounded by violence and extremism and radicalism, and there are children there who don't know any better and have no opportunity. I feel terrible for these people, just as I feel terrible for the Ukrainian people, the innocents that have suffered this invasion and this conflict. But at the same token... Oh, there also could be no solution. Just, you know, throwing that out there. There could be no solution. As much as there could be a solution, there could also be none. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing, too. So if if the entire region, if, if, if Iran, for example, is trying to destabilize the United States position in the region, then if we did find a safe and humane and desirable solution as to where we can give the Palestinians an option to live or go or seek asylum or be refugees, then they're just, Iran and the others in the region are just going to find other ways, other tools to provoke or instigate violence against Israel, I think. They, I mean, they can import people from Afghanistan, from Iraq to the area and pay them to do these attacks. So I, I, there's always going to be conflict in the region. And I, I honestly think that what this boils down to is 
the petrodollar and the fact that our currency is totally dependent on being associated and tied to oil. And if we want to maintain our status as the global reserve currency, which is absolutely necessary for us to do if we want to have an economy that doesn't experience an extreme depression, then we have to have a presence in the region. And our politicians act like it's about protecting the Holy Land and protecting God's people and Judeo-Christian values and Abrahamic faith. And the Iranians and the others in the region act like it's about the Holy Land and allowing Muslims access to a holy site. But that's just something that leaders say to people when they want to emotionally convince them to do something that their people cannot intellectually understand. And so we use this religion as an excuse and these sympathies, this empathy as an excuse to do things that we're actually doing for sociopolitical reasons, for power reasons. And Iran doesn't want the United States dollar, the U.S. dollar, to be the global reserve currency because we are able to slap them with sanctions constantly, freeze up their money constantly. They're all trying to figure out how to get out of the dollar because we've been using it to whip everyone in shape for the last 50, 60, 70 years. Stick with us, folks. We'll be back right after this break. We'll dive more into those details. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Last year, we put this book out. The Great Reset and the War for the World. It became a number one national bestseller. Now we've put part two out, and it's even thicker and more powerful. The Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalists and launch the second great renaissance. This is such a powerful book. It covers all the globalist plans, the latest developments, how to stop them, and then gives an alternate plan of a society we could build together. That's why it's The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is happening right now. You can get signed or unsigned copies of the book at InfoWarsStore.com. This is a historic book. I want to thank you all for your support. This is next-level information, and it's a great way to not just support the broadcast, but inform yourself to the next level and share the book with friends and family. So whether you want one copy or multiple copies, go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. This is going to go to number one. I want to thank you for your support. It's a powerful book. Get yours now. I'm a humble person, and I want to say that I'm just a man, but I'm not just a man. Just like you, no matter what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, you were made by the creator of the universe who had a plan for you, who has a destiny for you. That's why the system hates you and fears you, and that's why they hate me. It's because the spirit I carry is one of justice and truth and courage and honor and will and love. My friends, the enemy's coming after me, not because I'm a loser, but because I'm a winner. They're coming after you, not because you're a bad person, because you're a good person, because you love God and God loves you. And so I signed up for this. I signed up for this fight. And I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. But I can't fight this fight without you. That's why I want you always to remember that I appreciate you and I thank you because InfoWars is your fight. InfoWars is your baby. It's the thing you built. We did this together. So God bless you all. Let's keep fighting. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Journal folks, I am Chase Geyser filling in for the great Harrison Smith. Not a 
fun topic to cover, guys. This is not my favorite. I like covering a large variety of news and having fun with it and joking around. But this is pre-World War III stuff. It's highly sensitive because it involves Israel and Islam. And it involves the death of innocence and the nature of war and what is moral or what is immoral in a conflict. And the only solutions that in one's mind would seem to work are solutions that are also sort of appalling. So it's difficult for me to cover this, to be honest with you. But InfoWars is here to be a voice of truth. It is not a platform that censors its hosts or its guest hosts. And so everybody here is just trying to tell you what they think genuinely and back it up with evidence. And we're all on the same page about loving America and wanting to put America first. The challenge is just determining the best way to do that sometimes. And so I've spent the entire year talking about how ridiculous it is that the United States has been funding millions upon millions of dollars to Ukraine, to Nazi sympathizing regiments, in a proxy war against Russia when there's really no reason for us to be antagonistic toward Russia or at war with Russia or in conflict with Russia, except that we inadvertently brainwashed our entire left-wing population to hate Vladimir Putin because we married him to the brand of Donald Trump. So when the left thinks about Russia, they just think that Donald Trump's the president, psychologically, just in the back of their mind. And so we have to fight him. And it's a great way for us to make a tremendous amount of money and harm a superpower in any way that we can without putting boots on the ground. That's, that's why they're doing it. They are trying to kill as many people as possible. They don't care whether the Ukrainians die. As long as Russia is preoccupied, weakened, and distracted in the region, and they're making money off of the kickback. Crenshaw said months ago, that it was such a great deal that we could take down Russian soldiers without sacrificing a single American life. But if you look at the amount of money that Americans spend in taxes in a lifetime, you can actually calculate how much a given spending bill costs in terms of lives. So, Weber, I don't know if you can look this up. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I'd be very curious to know the average a person pays in income tax in their entire life in the United States because you take that number and you see how many times it goes into 250 million or 250 billion dollars and that's how many american lives it cost because it takes that many american lifetimes of working and paying just to be able to fund it so you take the amount that we spend in taxes on average or you take the amount that we make actually that's the way, that's the way you really do it you take the amount the average an american makes an in income in their entire life then you run that number into what we spend And that's how many lives it costs. Even if no one actually dies, their entire life's work is dedicated to funding it. And taxes. Wow. Wow. And that number is pretty, that number will go into $250 billion a lot of times. So anyway, Today, it's Israel. Tomorrow, it's us. After Israel attack, the GOP warns of terror in the U.S. due to Joe Biden's asinine open border policy. 
And we see that the people coming across our border are not just people from South America. There are people all over the world, including from Gaza, mind you, that are crossing the border into the United States. There's a reason that every major city yesterday had protests in support of Palestine. It's because there are Palestinians and people from Gaza that are either immigrants or visiting or have relatives there or are refugees here from the region. And I have no problem with taking in people and giving them asylum. I have no problem with legal immigration. But when you let tens of thousands of people in a month without even checking them, and you're giving them fist bumps that cut barbed wire fences, you're going to have a population of people that are here just to take advantage of the system and not to assimilate with the culture. When America was at its strongest, yes, it had immigrants, but it had immigrants that came here to be American, not immigrants that came here to make America Ireland or immigrants that came here to make America Italy or Americans that came here to make America Nigeria or whatever they came from. People came to America because they recognized America is a better place than the place where I live, so I'm going to go to America and I'm going to become American. You hear stories of people who were raised by immigrants, oftentimes immigrant families in this country years ago wouldn't even let their children speak Italian or their native language because they wanted them to learn English and get integrated and assimilated into society. So you're supposed to have immigrants that come here to become a part of you, not to water down what you are to be more like them. And when you're letting people in indiscriminately, you're not actually letting people in who are in awe of the freedoms and the rights that we have and the accomplishments that we've achieved. There are people that are like, all right, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to take advantage of some of the welfare programs or I'm going to work and export all of the money that I make to my family back home where it'll go further. So I don't blame them for that. But then what happens if we integrate people who empathize with Hamas And they sit quietly by and they take some jobs and they live in their communities and maybe they have a family and they go to schools and they're just kind of quietly empathizing with Hamas because they feel bad for what's happening to the people in Gaza or the conflict in the region. And then what happens if Hamas comes out and says, all right, we call upon, we call jihad, we call upon all Muslims all over the world to wage war against Jewish people. Then do we suddenly have a situation in which we've imported these sleeper cells into our nation that get activated like some sort of a dormant virus? And then there's bricks and windows. And the crazy thing is, too, if we have a massive increase in anti-Semitism in this country because of the conflict in the Middle East, because of Iran funding and Hamas and Hezbollah and the propaganda and the narratives there, do you think that the mainstream media narrative – is going to say that it's a result of radical Islam? Or do you think they're going to say that it's a result of white supremacy? Because we've heard this narrative the last several years since Biden's been in office and even before up into it, they constantly say that the greatest threat to national security is white supremacy. The greatest threat to national security is domestic terrorism as perpetrated by right-wing extremists. They've been setting us up to be ready for some sort of obvious anti-Semitic acts to take place. And then when they do happen, regardless of who does it, 
it's going to seem to the public like it was right-wing extremists, like, oh, Nazism's on the rise. So the great irony is they fund millions upon millions of dollars to Nazis in Ukraine, and then they support extremist Islam against Israel by supporting Palestine. And then they say that these attacks are because of right-wing extremism. That's what's going to happen. And maybe they've been psychologically setting us up for this because they know, the narrative knows, the deep state knows that the United States is going to be in a position soon where it has to fight for Israel to protect its interests in the reason and ensure that the U.S. dollar remains the global reserve currency. Because without Israel, I don't think that we do. And if you are trying to prepare a population psychologically for war in the Middle East again, for war that supports Israel after we just got done supporting Ukraine, losing millions and millions and retired of it, then you have to prepare the population psychologically with that narrative by, by prepping them by saying, hey, right-wing extremism is on the rise, anti-Semitism is on the rise, so that when something like this happens, if anyone even mentions anything critical of Israel, if it's true, they can immediately be dismissed as anti-Semitic. Just like what we've seen with, oh, you're a racist, oh, you're a sexist, oh, you're a bigot, with everything else. And I'm somebody who supports Israel. I think in this conflict, I believe that Israel is right. I believe that Israel has a right to that land because they want it. They should have to defend it on their own. And I understand that they have committed crimes against the Palestinians, but they have committed no crimes against the Palestinians that warranted anything the likes of which we saw days ago coming from there. I mean, that was more evil than I even thought I would ever see in my life. We saw nothing like that when Russia invaded Ukraine. We saw instances of people crying and people's homes being blown up and, you know, accidental collateral damage from an airstrike. We saw stuff like that. We saw terrible, tragic things, but we never saw anyone russia do anything like that to the ukrainians i saw folks we'll be right back after this break the most powerful InfoWars life formula yet dna force plus is now back in stock for 25 percent off while supplies last this elite formula contains the most cutting edge enzymes potent antioxidants and traditional naturally occurring ingredients to protect the vitality of your very dna the powerhouse ingredients in DNA Force Plus include QQQ, CoQ10, organic reishi mushroom, astrologus root, rhodiola root, and an array of even more incredible antioxidants and extracts carefully chosen to help support healthy heart function while promoting energy production down to the cellular level. Provide your cells and DNA with the protection they need and try a bottle of DNA Force Plus today for 25% off or for an additional 10% off Grab the combo pack with DNA Force Plus and Body's Whole Support. These offers and so much more are only available at InfoWarsStore.com. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at Band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser filling in for the great Harrison Smith. World War III is about to break out. People are choosing sides. 
demonizing anyone who chooses the other side, and the world is dividing against itself, it does not seem like long before we may be engaged in a very serious conflict. Israel attacks a signal what's to come inside the United States. Alex Jones on Monday told Western citizens the Israeli attacks signal what is to come in the U.S. and provided a blueprint for we the people to warn others about the potential incoming wave of terror strikes in the United States, Canada, and Europe. Quote, we have to let the CIA and Mossad and MI6 and NATO intelligence and all the rest of them know that if and when there's massive attacks in the West, you with the UN set up these centers and brought in these people, Jones told his audience. You know exactly what you're doing, and many of these people admit they're jihadists. So I would expect the probability in the next year, maybe even sooner, of a massive 9-11-style attack, but all over the country. And I don't think he's wrong. I think this is a serious threat. Matt, I, if you have a minute, I'd love for you to look up. They did a survey. It might have, I think it was Pew Research did a survey of Muslims in the United States and asked them how many of them ever thought it was okay to conduct like a suicide bombing against citizens or civilians you'll see if you google it i'm sure i'd love to see that because that that might be relevant here that would give us a sense of how potentially radic radicalized these people are and that they're just dormant that's what i'm concerned about Zelensky blames israel's war on terror on russian president vladimir putin ukraine president vladimir Zelensky blamed russian leader vladimir putin for the unfolding war between israel and gaza Quote, he said, we have data very clearly proving that Russia is interested in inciting war in the Middle East. Stated the caption of an ex-post by Zelensky Monday, so that a new source of pain and suffering would erode global unity and exacerbate cleavages and controversies, helping Russia and destroying freedom in Europe. So obviously Zelensky yesterday was basically just saying, hey, don't forget about me, guys. I think he's probably worried that if there's a serious conflict in Israel, then support from the United States to Ukraine would be divided. I think it's fair to say that if the United States had to choose between supporting Israel and Ukraine because of not having enough resources to adequately support either, I think we would choose to support Israel because it's actually something of interest in terms of our own national security that there's some sort of an ally in the region in a way that Ukraine is less important to us. And he's probably kind of right, because I do believe that Russia and China are working together in order to restructure the power dynamic in the region so that there is less dependence on the United States for their economies, A, and Europe, and so that they are less vulnerable or susceptible to sanctions. I mean, do you think it's a, a coincidence that just a few weeks ago, Chase Bank sent out a, a notice to everybody that they're no longer processing cryptocurrency transactions? These are things that banks do, not because they're trying to protect their customers, but they do them because they get wind, they get a request from the Department of Homeland Security. They get asked by the deep state to stop processing crypto transactions for whatever reason, and they shut it down. And they, they said it was because there's too many scams, but come on. Half the things that you buy are a scam from anywhere. And they're not terminating those transactions. And so 
we are clamping down on ways in which entities like Iran can get around sanctions that we impose on them or entities like Russia can get around sanctions that we impose on them by eliminating the global banking infrastructure's ability to process those transactions or fund those assets like cryptocurrencies. And that just applies more pressure and incentive for these nations to find any way they can to circumvent the monetary system itself and rebuild a new one in their own name. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Tuned in to the American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I'm Chase Geyser filling in for Harrison Smith. Senator Josh Hawley, any funding for Ukraine should be redirected to Israel immediately. I love that because it takes all the money away from Ukraine, but I hate that because it's just turning Israel into the Republican version of Ukraine. Republican Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri on Monday called for U.S. funding for Ukraine to be redirected to Israel immediately for their war on Gaza. Quote, Israel is facing existential threat. Probably true. Hawley said on Twitter X, any funding for Ukraine should be directed to Israel immediately. In 2019, after Hawley was accused of anti-Semitism for giving a speech at Yoram Hazani's National Conservatism Conference criticizing cosmopolitan elites, he denied the charge by stating on Twitter that he's willing to die for Israel. You'll have to carry me out on a slab before I compromise my defense of the Jewish people, their greatness, their history, their safety, and the state of Israel. Well, why doesn't he go out there and join and fight arms with them? So here's, here's where I'm divided. So any man-made government institution is going to be an institution that commits acts of violence and evil and injustice, regardless of whether it's the United States government, regardless of whether it's Iran, regardless of whether it's Ukraine, Russia, or Israel. And we know that Mossad, the intelligence community in Israel, is very sophisticated. There's evidence to believe that it's got a lot of control over U.S. politics. Some people think it's because of blackmail. It may very well be. Some people think that Jeffrey Epstein was a Mossad agent. I don't know. He might have been. He might have been. So I am not somebody that is just going to kiss Israel on the behind every chance I get because of my Judeo-Christian values and God's people thing. I just don't like that. It seems very dogmatic and disingenuous to me. I don't, I don't think that politically we support Israel because we believe in Judeo-Christian values and, they're God, and we think politically they're God's people. I don't think that's why the government does that. That might be why the citizens support Israel. That might be why I'm more inclined to empathize with Israel than with Palestine or Gaza or Iran. But the reason the government does it, the reason our politicians do these things, I don't think it comes from a place of heart. I think the honest truth is we need a strong ally in the region because we're trying to protect the dollar is a global reserve currency, and I wish our politicians – maybe it's impossible. Maybe this wouldn't make sense, but I wish they would just say that. I wish they would just say, hey, we're going to give funding to – you. we're going to take funding from Ukraine because we're just laundering it, and it's being skimmed and stolen, and we're wasting it, and it's just baloney. We're going to take that funding, which is being wasted, and we're going to give it to Israel not because – 
we're not going to lie to you and say we're going to give it to Israel because they're God's people and they're facing existential threat. We're going to tell you the truth. We want to support Israel in this conflict because the status of the petrodollar as the world's global reserve currency is under threat if Israel's in the region. And we'll do everything we can to make sure we always have a military presence there because if the dollar ceases to be the global reserve currency, it will mean mass starvation in the United States, depression-level unemployment, Weimar Republic-level collapse and inflation. I really think that's why we're doing this. That's why the intelligence community, that's why the military has always had such an interest in protecting Israel. It's not because we feel bad about what happened to them in the Holocaust, and so we're trying to do the right thing by making sure it never happens again. That's not why governments do things. Governments don't have a conscience. No government has a conscience. Individuals have a conscience, but governments don't. That's why organizations do terrible things, but people within those organizations don't feel like it's their fault. They take on a consciousness of their own, but they don't have a conscience. There's not a self-aware entity in organization. So to say that the United States is supporting Israel because of its conscience is a mischaracterization. We support Israel because it's good for the United States, that we have an ally there, that we have intelligence operating there, that they're able to do some of the dirty work in terms of espionage that we can't really do in the region. Because all of the other countries in the area know that if they mess around with the United States, we could be there like that. That we're integrated like that in everything that they're doing. And that's why they're so antagonistic toward Israel. That, and I do think there's a sentiment of genuine anti-Semitism among extreme Islam. Not all Muslims, but sort of the more extremist conservative branches. I do, I do believe that exists. But the real reason that the region hates Israel so much is not because they want to go to the holy site without getting dirty looks, but it's because they hate the United States and Israel is perceived as the representative of the United States in the region. That's what's going on. And so you have China funding Iran. You have Iran funding Palestine. You simultaneously have Russia either annexing or controlling Ukraine. I think when this war is over, Ukraine will still be an independent nation, but all the leadership will be puppet leadership for Ukraine as it was before. And what's going to happen here is Russia is going to have control over the breadbasket of Europe, the major agricultural producer of the region. And it's also going to have much more control over its oil and natural gas exports, which go through the region. So it's not going to have to negotiate with NATO or middleman, and it's going to be able to get energy throughout the region much more efficiently. So Russia is going to control energy to some extent and food exports. And then Iran, on the other hand, if Israel was gone, would be able to expand its influence in the region in such a way that China may be positioned to undermine the dollar as the petrodollar as the global reserve currency. So if Israel is out of the region, if it's neutralized, which Iran, of course, wants to do because it's sick of the sanctions, doesn't want the U.S. presence there, then China 
works out a deal with Russia where it's importing agriculture from Ukraine instead of from the United States. Because right now, China's very dependent on the United States for its food to feed its people. But if Russia has control of Ukraine and they're on good terms, then they can replace that demand for U.S. agriculture with food from Ukraine. So instead of going to Europe, those supplies would go to China. Then they can get their energy from Iran and Russia to a large extent. And then they can come in and say, all right, we're going to take Taiwan. And when the United States tries to implement sanctions on them, like not exporting food to them or anything radical like that, which we would do in order to try to protect Taiwan, they're going to be like, fine, we don't need you. I think this has all been a global setup, this whole shift, whether it's what's going on with Israel right now, whether it's going on in Ukraine right now, this has all been a coordinated effort, probably led by the CCP, if not just exploited by the CCP because of Russia's war with Ukraine, to make China less dependent on the United States so it can take Taiwan. That's what I think. And what's going to happen is if Saudi Arabia ceases to have as much influence in the region because China's won them over or because Iran, which is on China's side, has expanded in its power as a competitor to Saudi Arabia. And if the United States doesn't have a a presence in Israel to enforce its will, then China can just go in and shut down OPEC and say, hey, we're not trading oil anymore with U.S. dollars. We're doing it with yuan. And then there's a total economic collapse of the United States and it won't even matter because China's economy will be doing so well as the global reserve currency, they won't need our business like they've needed it in the past. And they won't need our food because they'll be getting it from Ukraine. And they won't need our energy because they'll be getting it from Iran and Russia. They are setting up a situation in which they're trying to declare independence from the United States because we've whipped them and abused them and coerced them so much with sanctions because they are so dependent on our dollar in order to do business internationally. Stick with us, folks. We'll be back right after this break. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Get that trifecta pack at 40% off for all three great products. Share the link, InfoWars.com forward slash show. We have not had this many of our best-selling products back in stock in years because of supply chain breakdowns and all the rest of the stuff that's going on. And these are game-changing products. It's like our information's game-changing. These products are incredible. And I'm personally glad that these are now back in stock. All three of the InfoWars Platinum flagship products that have been sold out for months are now back in stock, but a very limited run because we only had a budget to get three or 4,000 bottles of each one of these. I think we've got... 4,000 bottles of the HGH Max Boost that people love so much. We've got about 4,000 bottles of 1776 Testosterone Boost that just came in. And we've got about 3,000 bottles of Pain MD, incredible natural pain reliever situation. All three of these are back in stock, and they're incredible, and they fund our operation at InfoWarsStore.com. The eugenicists over 100 years ago were very public about their plans. They financed major universities. They ran full-page stories and advertisements pushing their propaganda in the New York Times, other major newspapers, that the family as we know it is a bad thing and must be ended. And the first step in that is getting women out of the household and teaching women that cooking dinner and taking care of your sons and daughters and husbands is a bad thing. 
And I was just sitting here tonight making dinner for my daughter, my four and a half year old daughter. My wife makes dinner a lot of times, but I like to make it as well. I love to make breakfast. And literally, it's the funnest thing on earth to make food for your family and be nurturative and then all sit down together and have that communal event. And that's what the system is attacking and bombarding, is our normal biological actions are coming together. They really are sick, evil, scientific cult of filth that want to domesticate us and turn us into lab rats. We cannot let this continue. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I'm Chase Geyser, filling in for the great Harrison Smith. Covering all that is impossible to cover, saying that, which is impossible to say. In the last segment, we were going into the different socioeconomic, political dynamics. Basically, I think that China and Russia, I think Russia supports the neutralization of Israel in the region, but I don't think Russia's necessarily actively supportive i think they're passively supportive of it probably not though actually from a from an idealistic standpoint with the uh, russian orthodox they would be more inclined i imagine to support the jewish population than the muslim population but i don't know but definitely china china wants to weaken the presence of the united states in the region which is why it's funding iran supporting iran which is why iran is supporting the palestinians to neutralize israel and the stage is being set for China's economy to be much less dependent on the United States. And ultimately, I believe these leaders, these nations, including those in BRICS, are conspiring together to replace the dollar as the global reserve currency because the United States has abused that power by way of sanctions. How many times have we frozen assets for nations overseas when they've done something that we disagreed with or threatened to withhold aid, withhold aid when we wanted them to do something or not to do something. Everybody's just sick of being pushed around. And finally, it's kind of becoming more convenient. It's making more sense. It's more reasonable for our allies and our enemies to come together and say, all right, we're going to let a new big kid come play on the playground because it's just been too long that the United States has abused this power and bullied these nations. So the best thing you can do to be prepared for that, in my opinion, is get life select, because if you think groceries are expensive now, they're going to be really expensive if the U.S. is dethroned as the global reserve currency, and they're going to be very expensive if World War III breaks out and supply chains are disrupted and farmland in Europe is radioactive. Over 100 bodies were found in Israeli kibbutz. Biden confirms 11 Americans killed and likely more in captivity. The number of Israeli hostages being held by Hamas has been revised upward to an estimated 150. By Monday's end, at least 900 Israelis have been reported killed and nearly 2,400 wounded since the Saturday surprise assault from Gaza. Palestinian emergency sources report 560 dead and over 2,700 wounded in Gaza as heavy Israeli bombardment of the Strip has continued. So these numbers are just going to go up, and that's just confirmed. I'm sure there are missing people too. I didn't see a, a missing number report there. 
But yeah, we're going to see casualties, and there's going to be U.S. casualties, and this may only be the beginning as far as that's concerned. But to the point that we were making a couple of segments ago about sleeper cells and radical Islam domestically, and I'm really trying to be careful about how I refer to radical Islam and how I talk about terrorism because the Bush administration really drove that one home and it tricked everybody and they manipulated everybody into getting us into these wars that we needed to get in. So take what, when I say that with a grain of salt, I'm not trying to stir irrational hatred for a people or fear of a people, rather. I'm not trying to use that to push any sort of a war. I am trying to use it to push having a border and vetting these people. But the study that our great producer, Matt Weber, found goes over the different nations in the region and analyzes how often suicide bombing can be justified. So, for example, in Pakistan, 1% of the population says suicide bombings are often justified. And 89% of the population in Pakistan says suicide bombings are never justified. And you can see all the different countries here. We've got Lebanon, which is where I believe Hezbollah is. So 9% would say for it often. 41% would say never. But in Palestine, 37% of the population believes that suicide bombings are often justified. Only 16% of the population is back in 2013. Only 16% of the population said it's never justified. And there's a lot of support for it in the middle. Like there's a lot of people that would say sometimes or rarely. So if we're taking in refugees or immigrants from these regions, it's not like they're switching their religious beliefs or political beliefs overnight. And they're just flooding across our border, either via Canada or the southern border, without being vetted, interviewed, background checks. Are they associated with anybody that's on any of these lists? I mean, we did the Patriot Act, and we did surveillance of the entire world, especially the United States, for years, where we were recording all their phone calls, all their text messages, all their emails. We totally violate the privacy of every citizen of the world, record everything, watch everything, secret warrants, wiretapping, looking into it, and then we don't even do background checks on people that come into our country? I mean, how easy would it be for us to figure out if these people are associated with enemies of the United States, of extremists, of terrorists. And so we have people popping in from Pakistan, Indonesia, Nigeria, Jordan, Tunisia, Turkey, Senegal, Egypt, Malaysia, Lebanon, Palestine, Gaza even specifically we have people coming over. Reports of people coming over the border now in the south. And they know they're coming in illegally. A lot of the people that come from overseas to come into the United States obviously have the resources to come in legally if they can pay for flight, travel expenses, shelter, all the stuff to get from overseas to here. Why aren't they coming in legitimately? Well, they, they, they know that they might not actually be let in if they came in through the front door, so they're going in through the border in the south. Mind you, many of these people, one in four Say sometimes it's okay to do a suicide bombing, and a lot—that's like an average almost. That like of these regions, if you add up the propensity for it, there's really only half of these regions 
that more than 58, 50% of the people say that it's never okay to do a suicide bombing. So if they were activated by Hamas, if World War III broke out and the United States sent troops to defend Israel and fight violently in the Middle East, and Islamic leaders over the world said, rise up Muslims all over the world, similar to how Hitler put out the call for Germans to come back and fight for the fatherland. Don't you think we might see a lot of violence here in the United States from some of the people that have got in? I do. I think we're going to be seeing things like suicide bombings if a real conflict breaks out between Israel and the Middle East with U.S. boots on the ground. I would not be surprised if we see more terrorism here. And any terrorism against Judaism will also come with an accusation against white supremacy or radical right-wing ideology. They'll call us Nazis. They'll call us Nazis. They'll call us right-wing extremists, even if it's being done on behalf of or in the name of radical Islam. And that's why they have set this stage. We'll get more into this after the break. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com and check out this awesome new deal on the Vitamin Mineral Fusion, which is back in stock at 25% off. Back, the Platinum Standard of Advanced Multivitamin Formulas has returned. Get it and set the foundation for health in your life. Where were you when humanity was fighting for its life? Where were you when the globalists were caught trafficking millions of children for sex slavery worldwide? Where were you when the New World Order was starting World War III with Russia? Well, I know where you are. You're watching and listening to InfoWars.com right now, and I salute you and thank you. And I want to encourage all of you who've been in this fight so long to realize we've reached the critical juncture in the battle now. And a key tool in that fight is the Great Awakening, defeating the globalists and launching the next great renaissance. This is my second book, part two of The Great Reset and the War for the World. It's a longer book, a quite frankly more powerful book. And just like the last book went to number one, it is up to you to send us to number one right now. This is a cultural fight against the globalists, and it funds the InfoWar. Get signed or unsigned copies of The Great Awakening right now at InfoWarStore.com. I want to thank you all for your support. This is a book everybody needs. Get your copy of The Great Awakening right now. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. Watching the American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser filling in for the great Harrison Smith. How do you market implications from the Israel Hamas war? Oil supplies in 2024 crude prices jumped about 4% following the Hamas attack, which is interesting because Israel's not a major exporter of oil. Gaza isn't a major exporter of oil. Iran is, though. So I wonder if the prices are jumping because the market is fearful that for some reason or another, Supply disruptions may be in the future. If you're worried about the amount of oil which is going to be globally available, then the price is going to go up. And it's all tied to the petrodollar. 
the more the prices go up for oil, the more demand the international community has for U.S. dollars, and the safer the dollar is as the global reserve currency. I wonder if the Federal Reserve is delighted when they see things like that. I certainly am not delighted when I go to buy groceries and all of the prices of all the goods I buy are totally unaffordable because the shipping costs have gone up so much. All the more reason to go to InfoWarsStore.com and get Life Select, the cheapest way to get 30 days worth of food, three meals a day, is InfoWarsStore.com. So regardless if you think the world's going to end or not, you can't get groceries for a better price than InfoWarsStore.com and getting Life Select. This article goes on to talk about a coherent Republican Party and aid to Ukraine and defense. <sighs> That's the nature of politics. Politics is about division. If there wasn't division, there would be no need for politics because there would be consensus. So I'm not alarmed at all that the Republican Party is divided against itself between MAGA Republicans and neocons. And I'm not mad at all when the Democrats are divided against themselves for whatever reason, whether it's the Bernie camp versus the Hillary camp, whether it's the RFK camp versus the Biden camp. Division is good in politics in terms of establishing just representation in a Congress. You don't want so much division that there's violence. But frankly, if we reached a level of division such that our Congress was incapable of passing any new legislation, that to me would be a breath of fresh air. Wouldn't it be for you? I can think of more laws, rules, violations that I would like to see repealed than I can think of any law that I think should be passed. If you were to sit me down and say, Chase, what laws should we make, it would take me a minute. But if you were to sit me down and say, what laws should we repeal, I could rattle that off. Frankly, what I want more than anything is for our existing laws to be enforced. I want people like Hunter Biden to face justice. I want the Joe Bidens to face justice. I want the Hillary Clintons and the Clinton Foundations to face justice. Our problem isn't that we have too many laws or too few laws or that the laws are unjust so much as it is that the just laws that we do have are ignored because the leaders that we have in the Department of Justice are bought and paid for by the establishment elite, by the powers that be, by the left. When you have the likes of George Soros funding AG campaigns, district attorneys, when we have judges being put in everywhere, that do things like say that Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million when it's probably worth closer to 350 to $500 million. And just by novelty of being Donald Trump's property alone, I'm sure he could get much more than that because from a vanity standpoint, there's certainly some billionaire that would love to own that property and say that he owns the former president's house or he bought Donald Trump's house. So why can't we just enforce the laws that we have? instead of worried about being worried about whether or not Congress is productive or divided. Oh, you, you need a Speaker of the House that can reach across the aisle. Otherwise, Congress isn't going to be, be able to get anything, anything done. How about protect the border? You don't need a new law to do that. We've got plenty of money to do it. We've got the people to do it. We just don't have the will to do it. All politics is is conflicting wills. That's why they call it political will. Do you have the political will to do this? Does it make sense? Is the incentive there? If we want it enough, we'll get it done. If the people have a strong enough will, they can outwill the political elite. 
That's why the mainstream narrative, the deep state, does everything it can to undermine the morale of the American people, to confuse the people as much as possible. Because when you're confused, you don't have a strong will. You're not strongly opposed to or supporting any given thing. When you're confused or uninformed or misinformed, they want us to constantly be in a perpetual tide pool. So how is it that we are going to reawaken the will of the American people? How is it that we're going to inspire the American people? I don't think we're going to do it, but I do think it's going to be done. I think that people are going to finally wake up when things like this report of the new United Nations report signaling need for mud and grass huts by 2050. Maybe people will wake up if they're living in grass huts in a radioactive green energy world, a radiated planet with windmills powering their single light bulb in their mud hut. Maybe then they'll say, oh, we should, we should have voted differently or we should have stood up against this encroaching tyranny. It's all a big conspiracy theory that by 2050, we shall be living in mud and grass huts, eating a meat-free diet and giving up most forms of personal transport. Maybe we might not believe it if global elites stopped writing copious reports detailing all these lifestyle changes, which are said to be needed to move to net zero. The latest such report comes from the United Nations, which sets out a collectivist global vision of primary building materials consisting of mud, bricks, bamboo, and forest detritus. I don't know how to pronounce that word. I've never heard that word, detritus. Is it detritus or detritus? Detritus? Really? Wow. Where did you learn that word? Really? Oh, yeah. You used to be a nurse, right, CJ? Oh. Oh, Okay. Yeah, and Dahmer. Yeah, yeah, he was into that medical journal stuff. Yeah. According to the UN, the world needs to move to regenerative material practices using ethically produced low-carbon earth and bio-based building materials. So I've often said, I don't know if I've said it a lot on this show, but I've often said, when talking about the green energy thing, people say this is a way that the global elites want to depopulate the planet. They want to lower the population, turn it green and ensure that there's never more demand than green can handle. And green can't really handle much. My philosophy on the thing is that the depopulation isn't for the average American citizen. I don't think they're trying to depopulate the United States. In fact, they seem to be importing people as fast as possible. I think when they talk about depopulation, and history backs this up, they're talking about the poor. They want to depopulate the continent of Africa or the poorest in India or the poorest in China. China is very familiar with depopulation. If you look at the Great Leap Forward between 1958 and 1962, 100 million Chinese people starved to death. They don't care at all if they face depopulation again because many of their population, much of their population, is about to become a burden on the state. It's aging in China. The Chinese population is getting old. It's going to be less productive proportionally, and the elderly people in China are going to be more dependent on the state. So depopulation sounds like a great idea. And the reason they don't care about depopulation in the way that a nation like the United States would is because it's not a representative government. 
President Xi is still the leader of the CCP in China, regardless of whether or not his people support him, regardless of whether or not millions of them die. So these globalists, they want to wipe out those who burn fossil fuels and consume the most energy and who are poor. They're talking about a genocide of the poor. They don't want you burning coal to heat your house or burning wood to heat your house. They want to wipe you out. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back after this break. I have been in a 28-year marathon battle with a globalist. I have come from nowhere to the very heights of politics, not just in America, but in the world. We are engaging the globalists at point blank range in the information war. But I don't deserve the credit. Yes, I've persevered, but the listeners and viewers who support InfoWars are the real reason we've had the success. We're having now the greatest victories in the fight against the new world order we've ever had. We are now entering the final mile of the marathon. And that's why today it's more important than ever to realize how important you've been in this fight and to continue in the efforts you've been carrying out and to intensify them. God bless you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all. Last year, we put this book out, The Great Reset and the War for the World. It became a number one national bestseller. Now we've put part two out, and it's even thicker and more powerful. The Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalists and launch the second great renaissance. This is such a powerful book. It covers all the globalist plans, the latest developments, how to stop them, and then gives an alternate plan of a society we could build together. That's why it's The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is happening right now. You can get signed or unsigned copies of the book at InfoWarsStore.com. This is a historic book. I want to thank you all for your support. This is next level information, and it's a great way to not just support the broadcast, but inform yourself the next level and share the book with friends and family. So whether you want one copy or multiple copies, go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. This is going to go to number one. I want to thank you for your support. It's a powerful book. Get yours now. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Back to the American Journal, folks. I'm Chase Geyser filling in for the great Harrison Smith. This is the last segment of the hour. In the next hour, we'll be taking calls. We'll open up the phone lines in a couple of minutes and give out the number. A real trend. Trump now ahead of Biden in key battleground states, according to the polls. It's not a surprise. I think he was probably ahead of Biden the last time, too. It's just a matter of whether or not we can win by enough to overcome the cheating that will inevitably ensue in this next election cycle. But the MAGA movement is on the rise. A populist movement is on the rise. And I use the word populist instead of nationalist because nationalist has some connotations that I don't like. They're similar. But it's generally the belief that the people 
are being exploited and not represented by a political elite. That's what populism is. It's an advocation for the rights and interests of a people instead of those of their political elite. So when you have situations where the Bidens are funding DOD contracts for over $20 million to companies that research biolabs, or go to biolabs and research viruses, and then that kickback goes to our politicians. Or when you have our politicians investing in the military-industrial complex and then voting for aid packages to Ukraine so those companies can make money selling supplies and services, that would be like an anti-populist situation. That is a political elite, a political establishment that doesn't represent the interests of the people, doesn't care for the working man, for the good, law-abiding, honest, trying to be the best people they can be class of America. One of my favorite movies of all time is Lord of the Rings. The series is great. It still holds up. The books were great. And I think one of the reasons that story is so powerful is because it emphasizes the importance of seemingly inconsequential good people. It's not a story of Someone with insane superpowers coming in and saving the world. It's not an example of an Elon Musk coming in and saving free speech single-handedly. It's an example of two hobbits from a little place called the Shire, despite all odds, summoning the courage to do the most dangerous and perhaps impossible thing To save the world. And that's why, in my opinion, populism is so important because if you don't celebrate and advocate for good, hardworking people, then you can't get the ring to Mordor. Who is going to save us if we don't save ourselves, if we don't celebrate ourselves, if we don't support ourselves. And so populism is on the rise. The more corrupt, the more evil, the more Mordorian our political class gets, the more we realize that populism is the response. So yeah, I think that Trump is going to be way ahead in the polls. The question is whether or not the neocons are going to do everything they can to subvert that. What's really going to be interesting is when these kangaroo courts that are charging Trump with these ridiculous accusations, when they convict him, and I do think he'll be convicted even though I don't think that he's guilty. I think he's innocent. When he is convicted, the real question is going to be whether or not the Republicans in the state legislatures remove him from the presidential ballots in their states. I am very fearful that we're going to see a situation in which Republicans are either too compromised or too cowardly to allow his name to be on the ballot after the onslaught of negative PR around a convicted Trump. And when that happens, what are we going to do? Because then it's on us. Then we can't say, oh, no, it's the Democrats again. It's the leftists again. They put us in this position. It's been very easy to point the finger at Biden this entire administration because he's been so terrible. Everything awful that could have happened seems to be happening. Obviously, he's got no international respect because all of our enemies are walking all over us and everything that they do. 
whether it's these attacks on Israel, whether it's this invasion of Ukraine, whether it's China encircling Taiwan and violating airspace. No one respects Biden. We can point all of our ales at Biden. It's Biden's fault that we have massive inflation. It's Biden's fault that you have to work three jobs in order to make ends meet instead of one job. But when our party, when our Republicans betray Trump next year, what are we going to do about it? What are hardworking Americans, good people, law-abiding citizens who seek to avoid violence at all costs, who believe in the right to self-defense and not the right to irrational assault, like we saw from Gaza. Are we just going to sit back and complain and and mumble to ourselves? Or are we going to rise up and take our party back? Politics is so boring, folks. We have so many better things to do. Nobody wants to get involved with their local Republican Party or their local school board or their local city council because it's annoying and it's a pain in the butt and everybody you interact with is stupid and you got to put your reputation on the line. So they want good people to stay behind. They want good people to sit at home. But that has put our party in a vulnerable position in which it has no conviction. The type of guy that runs for chair of the Republican Party in the community is not often the type of guy to really be excited about. It's just somebody kind of wants to sell insurance a lot of times. They want to put on a suit and they want to be on the meeting live stream and maybe do a couple interviews with the local TV station and feel important. Say something about their law firm or their insurance agency or their car dealership. It's going to be when Average Americans rise up, come back, and take this back. I I wish we would have been more proactive about this, but think in mind now. Keep in mind now what you think we can do in the face of a party that may betray us. I want to hear what you think. Call on 877-789-2539. Again, that's 877-789-2539. I do want to take your calls in the next segment, 877-789-2539. Biden regime likely lost track of millions of migrants crossing the southern border, according to a congressional report. And that was probably intentional. The crazy thing about these 80,000 kids that have gone missing, I think that was the number that was reported a month ago, a couple months ago, 80,000 children unaccounted for is, where are their parents? Why don't we have 160,000 parents reaching out terrified that they don't know where their kids are. Well, I think that the reason is a lot of the kids that came over unattended by their parents, I think a lot of them were sold. I really do. I think it was a human trafficking thing. And those kids are generating money for the most evil people in the world. And in that vein, online child pornography has skyrocketed. Maybe it's correlated to the increase in missing children at our loose borders. The amount of online child sexual abuse has skyrocketed in the past few years. According to the latest annual report from the UK-based NGO and watchdog, the Internet Watch Foundation. As many as 255,588 URLs were confirmed to contain images or videos of the abuse last year, up from 132,676 URLs in 2019. 
Wow, that is an insane increase. Almost double. In 2019, it was 60% of what it is now. As Statistas and Fleck reports, the rise is partly being linked to the pandemic. Yeah, right. When lockdowns meant more people, including younger children, were staying at home and turning online for longer periods of time than before. Oh, so the longer you're online, the more likely you are to develop an interest in child porn? I think it's probably because the creators of child pornography have access to more children than they've ever had before to make the content. And we, we have these huge conflicts happening in Ukraine. Where do you think the children go? How many children have disappeared since this war broke out? So, according to child safety experts, this increased exposure could have left them more vulnerable to communities of criminals looking to find and manipulate children. There's probably some truth to that. According to the report, self-generated content has become particularly prevalent in this time. So kids are taking pictures of themselves or videos of themselves and uploading them. Absolutely disgusting stuff. Stay with us, folks. We'll be back after this break with your calls. A lot of people have asked me, why is InfoWars Store and InfoWars Life not at a probiotic for more than three years? And the answer is simple. We only bring you the highest quality to lowest prices. We had a top maker, top certified of probiotics for more than seven years. They got bought by a libtard company and said, we're not doing business with you, Mr. Jones, anymore. Finally, we got a probiotic just as good or better with a top lab that loves our show. We're able to private label it under InfoWars MD as our probiotic formula. So you can get a super high quality probiotic for amazing gut health and more at InfoWarsStore.com for 25% off right now. Now, wherever you get your probiotics is something everybody should be doing. But I'm asking you to try our probiotic. I think you're going to have an amazing effect and it funds our entire operation. So get your InfoWars MD probiotic today at InfoWarsStore.com. It's a high quality formula and it keeps us on the air. Take action now at InfoWarsStore.com. 